Each episode of Brain Health Unchaining Your Pain with Dr. Ruth Allen is for educational and demonstration purposes only. The information shared in each episode should not be interpreted as medical advice. This episode should not be used to self-diagnose or self-treat any health, medical or physical condition. Do not use this episode to avoid going to your healthcare professional or to replace the advice they give you. Consult with a trusted healthcare professional before doing anything contained in this episode. If you have any questions or concerns, please contact www.ruthmaryallen.com forward slash connect. Welcome to the show, Brain Health Unchaining Your Pain. I am delighted to be joined by the wonderful Dr. Marvin Berman. Welcome to the show, Dr. Berman. Hi, Ruth. <laughs> Great to be here. It, it's lovely to have you. I'm really excited to talk about this because I know that you've recently been uh, interviewed by Dr. Dale Bredesen and he's a big, I'm a big fan of his and I love the work that he's done. And I think the work that you're doing is really exciting in the context of brain health. I know some of my clients are using this um, type of modality already to support themselves in other parts of their body. So I'm excited mm -hmm. to, to hear what you have to share about this. But before we start, for those mm -hmm. that don't know Dr. Berman, he's the founder and president of the Quiet Man Foundation and also the co-founder of Neuronic, which is a health technology company that's advancing the use of infrared light promote brain health and performance. He's also a neurotherapist and neuroscience researcher focusing on non-invasive treatment options for neurodegenerative and neuropsychiatric disorders. Um, and he's also an organizational consultant in private practice uh, and Philadelphia and internationally. He's got 30 plus years of experience in treating children, adolescents and adults with neurotrauma, memory, learning emotional and behavioral problems using the latest tools and techniques so really excited um, to talk about what you have to share today but before we start I'd love to know what you are passionate about in life right now I am passionate about watching my three-year-old and one-year-old granddaughters uh, engage with life oh I love that we we just moved um, our home to be within uh, what's called drop-off zone. Okay, I don't know what that means, but it sounds we're, good. We're we're in drop we're in drop-off range, which means, hi, Dad, I need to drop off the kids. Something just came up. Click. Oh, that is brilliant. My um my parents live um ten minutes down down the road, and it's really convenient when you've got family close by and there. Um, yep. capable you know able-bodied people to really help so yes. that's so we're exciting. we're happy we're happy to be now in uh in in proximity for drop-off uh and i can't tell you to all those grandparents out there how much we appreciate you <laughs> <laughs> because because we've grown up in a um oh, yeah. a culture that has made us very insular and we you know for us to thrive as parents and adults oh. and kids we need that uh, you know extended family support it's like so much yeah, appreciated absolutely. oh absolutely and and um it helps it helps me and my wife nancy stay healthy and engaged and and vital and 
I mean, I even know who Blippy is. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> well, if you haven't already uh, learned to all those bands out there, we love Bluey, um, oh. which is another excellent children's program that, that my husband uh, takes much enjoyment of watching again and again. <laughs> it's very educational for parents and children alike so oh yeah so we really appreciate you um and actually i would i love the fact that you said it keeps you you feeling young because oh, we've absolutely. done a study they did a study here in the uk many quite a few years ago now where they looked at yeah. introducing children into old people's homes and i'm care not, homes yeah, yeah care homes. Yep. and it really helped people with their cognitive health, um, what we're talking about today. So really makes a huge difference and it's so important. So um, the more uh, people in the the older generation that can help the younger generation, the better, I I say, hats off to you, to you all. (laughs) Thank you. We're, We're happy to be engaged in that idea of, you know, being part of the village that's raising our children. Yeah, that's lovely. That's lovely. Um, and I know we're going to dive into the technology that you talk about. But before we do that, sure. what is optimal brain health mean for you personally in the context of your life's journey? Well, it's certainly been about the idea of efficiency from a very kind of Newtonian <laughs> conservation of energy point of view. The idea of having my body and my mind uh, working most efficiently. And what that ends up meaning is that I'm able to perceive with the greatest degree of specificity what it is that that moment is demanding or asking of me and that I can respond effectively in that moment burning the least number of calories. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And, you know, and that I'm, I'm conserving my own energy and using it most efficiently and effectively, uh, both in terms of finding pleasure and being able to uh, do the work that I believe in and feels right to me to do, to be connected with my family, uh, to be connected with my body, and so optimal brain health really is about optimizing the connection mm-hmm. between my brain and my mind and my body. I do know I love that because I don't think people talk enough about the importance of the connection between the two because we've often, you know, science has kind of grown up as thinking that this part of our body is separate to the to the rest of it um and actually it's the engine of it. Um, Absolutely. And and it's so important that we think about how can we optimize that. And I also love the fact that you talked about the importance of it working efficiently um, and effectively whilst burning the least amount of calories uh, that it needs to um, going into the the energy powerhouses of our cells, which is our mitochondria, because we don't take the time to think about the cellular performance of our body and also of our mind which was what i'm really passionate about um as well because most of the science historically has been focusing on nutrition it's been focusing on um drugs it's been focusing on um 
the food that we eat, um, the, the supplements that we take, but it's not necessarily been looking at the cellular performance and certainly right. not looking at how our mitochondria are working and whether they're working efficiently and effectively um, and what's causing them to be inefficient. <laughs> and we know exactly. COVID is a massive uh, you know, example of that and many other uh, viruses and um, bacterial infections can affect how our mitochondria function. Um, and I think it's such an important topic that we need to be talking about more is our mitochondria so. function and dysfunction. Yeah, well, this idea of the mind and the body relationship has been kind of at the center of my professional development as a clinician, mm -hmm. as a consultant, as a consultant. And now, and as, as a neuroscientist, these are the kinds of questions that are driving the work that I, I've been doing at Quiet Mind. And now with the creation of Neuronic Devices Limited, mm -hmm. which is a for-profit company based in Ireland and Germany, that's really about developing some of the technology that Quiet Mind has been studying. Mm -hmm. It really is about how do all these pieces go together? Mm -hmm. How do we support the work, you know? We understand that genetics has a lot to do with it, but we also now know about epigenetics. Right. And we know that trauma in one generation can influence genetic change in the next generation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so with that understanding, how we can help ourselves in this moment that can fundamentally transform the way our biology is operating, that's a very new concept. Yeah. You know, that's... Not because we grew, I know I grew up with, ah, it's all in your head. <laughs> you know, I, I feel terrible. Ah, it's all in your head. Go see a shrink. Yeah. Wait a minute. And it isn't. No. no <laughs> At <it's> all. <laughs> no, well, no. And, and yes, there is something in my head. That's true. And yes, there is something going on there. But it really does have to do with what's going on in my gut. Right. Which also, which also has brain tissue exactly the same as what's between my ears yeah yeah so what about that yeah and i think uh, you know it always astonishes me that when we come across and i still come across people who don't think there's a gut brain connection um in the medical community uh, yeah, and yeah. and how we um are not educating people that the you know of the importance of this connection and how we need, I call them soldiers in our gut, how we need to feed the soldiers in our gut that help us and avoid yeah. feeding the soldiers that hurt us so they're not in constant battle with our, one another and we're supporting ourselves rather than hurting ourselves. Yeah, and certainly as a, as a, as a psychotherapist, when I was involved in private practice, you know, one of the things that I made a very big point out of was that when people talked about feeling anxiety, it was important to say, you know, anxiety is not an emotion. Anxiety is the result of emotions being in conflict with each other. Yeah. And yeah. so let's, instead of us talking about, gee, I feel so anxious and what can I do about my symptom? Why don't we go back and talk about what was the conflict that created this experience of anxiety? And let's deal with that. Yeah, <laughs> what a I love that. I love that, and, and I, I'd so, love to that. Go on. Yeah, the just the the when I found 
that in fact, on the other side of the equation, there was a whole branch of medicine called functional medicine. Yes. And that functional medicine was attempting to do root cause analysis rather than treating symptoms as they were and symptomatic treatment was like, oh, wait a minute. I want to, I want to, I want to hang out with those guys. Yeah. You know, what are they, what are they figuring out and how can I use that to work with people emotionally and psychologically? Yeah. I love that. And I I love the fact that you talk about connection because it's one of the five pillars of brain health. And I think it's one of the things that we don't pay enough attention to, but I want to kind of get into the start of your journey and the story that evolved into where you are today. Has there ever been a time where you mm-hmm. bo- your body and mind has not been fully connected or working most efficiently for you personally? Um, the first thing that came to mind was around 10.30 at night on uh, November 27th, 1998. Ah. There was, uh, I was coming home from a meeting uh-huh. and I was driving up my favorite windy road and down the other way came another car and then suddenly I saw headlights in the air coming oh over the barrier at my, at my door. Okay. And luckily I was able to turn into the crash so that they hit me on the bumper instead of on the door. And I bounced off the road onto the grass. Yeah. And, but I got out of the car and laid on the ground and shook violently for a while. And it became clear that I had sustained, you know, a, a concussion. Yeah. And I learned very quickly how the world can slow down. Okay. And everything can really slow down. And I went, oh, this is what happened. This is cognitive slowing. And I was able to then take serious stock of the work in something called EEG biofeedback or neurofeedback. Yeah. yeah. I was able to take advantage that- people who don't know what it is, if you wouldn't mind, please. Certainly. um, It is, most people have heard of the term biofeedback, where you're using some some sort of device to measure a physiological function like skin temperature or heart Mm -hmm. rate or blood pressure. But you can use the feedback that you're getting from what your physiology is doing, like your skin temperature. Mm -hmm. You can then develop over time a certain level of control over something like the temperature of your fingers and your toes. Mm -hmm. What you're actually learning to do is open and close your peripheral vascular system. Mm -hmm. You're opening and closing your blood vessels. Most people thought that that was impossible. So biofeedback is about being able to control functions that we ordinarily don't think we can control. I love that. Neurofeedback is literally the same thing. It's just that what we're learning to do is control the electrical activity in our brain. Mm. And we can compare the electrical activity going on in the brain against norms for age, gender, and handedness. And we can then train ourselves or train our clients how to modify their own brainwave activity in order to normalize it or make it more efficient. Yeah. Yeah, and it's which really is amazing that we can do that, and amazing I, that biofeedback is so is so powerful. Because I've I've you know Dr. Daniel Amen, who from the Amen yes. Clinics, is a massive advocate of biofeedback and uh, yep. and also um, neurofeedback. And I um, 
I've tried it on myself. So I used to be scared of needles from childhood, oh, no. having yeah. needles in myself. It was really difficult for people to get blood from mm. me. And mm -hmm. um, I thought, well, I'll focus my mind on um, directing the blood to the part of the my body that the nurse needs to take it from. And this was when I was in the middle of having a baby. So I was in, you know, in all sorts of state of... Um, shock and distress and everything um because it wasn't going according to plan as many women i'm sure can relate um uh -huh. and i focused the my attention on on my, that nerve and that and the lady when she put the um device in my arm she it my blood shot out like a, a, a artery and she said wow. i've never seen anything like that in my life um and uh and i passed exactly it to my it. client who's also afraid yep. of exactly needles it. and it really works if you direct your attention to where you want your blood to go well what i found was that i was able to use an infrared device uh -huh. that measured measured the amount of blood reaching the surface of my cortex my frontal okay. lobe and that as i was able to increase the amount of blood flow i was watching a movie on yeah. the computer and the movie would keep playing as long as i was increasing the temperature and as soon as i stopped the movie would stop oh wow that's cool <laughs> and so i just kept practicing keeping yeah. the movie going and what happened is i really full, fully recovered from the concussion yeah and you just think um i don't know do they use this in sports at all okay. great deal great okay deal. that's good then more um, and more more okay. and more um because you just think how much power you have over your ability to support your own healing journey and we kind oh, yeah. of forget that don't we um and and healing healing on the on the one axis is one way of applying it the american olympic committee mm -hmm. has been using this technology for I, 25 or 30 years mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to enhance performance. Mm -hmm. So how and, did you get into the work that you did now? So you had your car accident. You, I had my car accident. Your recovery journey through neurofeedback and biofeedback. Well, I was very, I was very interested in the biofeedback that I did. Okay. And then uh, it, it stimulated my thinking on some, on a, on a conscious and unconscious level and I, I uh, had a client come in who I'd been working with for several years. And, and he said, oh, you know, I'm doing really well and things are going great. But, you know, sometimes things don't click. And he did this. Yeah. And in my training, we tried to get people to verbalize whatever their movement behavior was. So I yeah. said, what is this? What is this in English? And he said, Oh, you know, like uh, I, I have to read things a couple of times because I don't understand it. And then I the, the letters seem to move around on the page. And I sat back and went, wait a minute. What are you brain injured? You know, did, what, did you get hit in the head? And the guy said, you mean like a car accident? No. And I was thinking car accident, obviously. Yeah. He's like, no, no. I said, well, wait a minute. That's not what I asked you. Did you ever get hit in the head? Oh, yeah, but I mean, I fell down the basement steps when I was three. Johnny hit me with a baseball bat when I was seven. I ran into a brick wall when I was 12 on my bicycle. And I'm like, oh, my God, wait a minute. You're yeah. not neurotic. You have a brain, you have a brain injury. Yeah. 
And it was like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> they didn't cover this in graduate school. Yeah. Right. This is no longer psychology. This is neuropsychiatry. Yeah. What do I do now? Yeah. And that's when I started going, oh, hmm, I wonder what biofeedback you can do with people for head trauma. And that's when I met people who then exposed me to neurofeedback. And one of the people who exposed me to neurofeedback then had his wife come for treatment for aphasia, losing words. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I started doing the, the process that had been done with me and she started getting better. And the, I, I, he said, well, why isn't everybody doing this? And I said, well, I think it's probably because there's not 30,000 people in suits going around giving out free samples of neurofeedback. Yeah. <laughs> and, he, and he was like, oh, that can't be the reason. And this guy was a hard, hardcore um, biochemist. I mean, yeah. a very, very serious, you know, no kidding around kind of guy. And he was like, that can't be the reason. I was like, well, I, I, the only thing I can tell you is there's not enough research on this sort of thing. And maybe that's why. And so he gave us a grant to do the research. Oh, wow. That's great. <laughs> and right. Well, he had a lot of zeros after his name. And so he gave us a grant. We did this. We did the study. And in the middle of the study, he sends me an article from the Daily Mail. Okay. In the the Daily Mail UK. <laughs> and I'm like, what, what is this hardcore scientist doing, sending, what is going on here? How could he possibly be reading the Daily Mail, right? It didn't make any sense. Yeah. The, the headline is UK researchers reverse dementia using infrared light. Mm-hmm. And I went, oh, He's desperate. He wants to help his wife. Okay, so he's reading silly articles. Then I opened up the article and realized it was an article in the mail, but it was it was from the British Journal of Neuroscience. Yeah. <laughs> and I, you know, like, oh, 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 okay, okay, okay. So then I started reading the article, and that's when I learned about Paul Chazot, Professor Chazot at, at Durham University. Uh-huh. And then it was like, oh, my God, these guys are not kidding. This is serious. So it was an animal study. And so I said, "Um, do you want me to go get one of these gizmos for your wife? And him being the person that he was, he said, well, see if they'll come here. So there I am making a phone call to Dr. Dougal and Professor Chazot. Hey, can you bring one of your gizmos to Philadelphia? And they did. And we did a trial with this guy's wife. And remember, she had aphasia. Yeah. So she wasn't, she wasn't saying very many words, but she was doing con- cognitively and, and physically and emotionally much, much better. So we then did a trial of two six minute sessions a day, one yeah. morning and a- afternoon. Mm-hmm. She I, I would do the afternoon session. My research assistant did the one in the morning and she comes back after about two and a half weeks of us doing this in tears. What's the matter? Oh, my God, Mrs. She was so angry. They got into such an argument. What? Oh, she was yelling at him. She was like, I said, wait, she was yelling at him like noises. No, no, no. She was yelling at him like, where do you get off making these arrangements to go visit our son in Oregon without consulting me? And I'm like, wait a minute. Did all those words come out of her mouth at once? And the phone rings and it's the guy, the husband. Oh, my God, I can't believe it. She was so pissed. I got my wife back. Click. <laughs> right. And I'm sitting there with my like looking at the phone. What happened? And that's when it clicked that 
the light stimulation <laughs> was the physical, biological intervention that provided her brain with the support that it needed in order to make use of the neurofeedback training that we had been doing. Yeah, and that yeah, as, soon yeah. as, her brain, as soon as her brain had the resources, the literal physiological mitochondrial ATP resources to activate her brain, boom. Yeah. So that, when I saw those two things go together, it was like, oh, it's not one or the other, it's both. Yeah. You have yeah. to you have to do a tissue level intervention and you have to renormalize the connectivity that got disrupted when the tissue got disturbed. Yeah. I find this fascinating, you know, because yeah, I think... You know, it's a it's a two it's a multi prong, but let's just make it simple. Yeah. It's a two pronged approach. One is focusing on your cellular function at a mitochondrial Correct. energy production level, um, right. which are for those that don't know, it's your energy powerhouse of your cell. So they're they're responsible for both um, your energy itself, but also for connection. So that the mitochondria produce redox signaling molecules that support your body's ability to communicate with itself and then what you're doing is you're using that enhanced mitochondrial function to improve the communication networks that may have become disrupted to help your body communicate yeah. better and it's inevitable that the communication networks are going to be disturbed by yeah. whatever trauma we're talking about and the thing that made it clear to me was the light intervention is a tissue level intervention. It's yeah. biological. Mm -hmm. The electrical connectivity isn't the, the connectivity issue is electrical. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you need so you need to do something that is actually monitoring and helping to enhance the electrical connectivity. Mm -hmm. That's not that's not infrared light. That's the neurofeedback. Yeah. I was like, oh, I get it. Okay. That okay that hangs together yeah right first you do first you do the physical then you do the electrical and ultimately what we are really wanting to work on at quiet mind is yeah. the idea of how do you put all of that together yeah uh, how do you optimize that connection mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that's what we're working on now so how did that evolve into um the work that you're doing for neuronic how did that transpire for, you know, going from this single person study, which where you had, you know, before and after, which is right. absolutely valid because we're all, everybody's different and we're all individuals. And this goes back to the functional medicine approach, which treating the root cause, not the generic symptom. So we knew, we knew that we needed to do clinical work. We needed to do clinical studies. So, um, I had been doing a study on Parkinson's uh, in Florida with a number of subjects, and one of them was a retired Air Force uh, colonel, an anesthesiologist, mm -hmm. and his son was a retired uh, IBM executive, had cashed out and had a lot of money and is kind of going around the world with his wife, and he bought the red sports car, and it was like, now what do I do with my life? He had seen his father... Uh, four months earlier before the trial and his father was in a wheelchair and very out of it and very flat. The next time he saw his father was at a party on a boat in Boston Harbor when he came to celebrate the graduation from college 
of his son. So his granddaughter's graduation from college was the next time this guy saw him. They get on, he's in a wheelchair, they get on and they have the dinner and then the band starts playing and the guy, the patient, gets up out of the wheelchair, goes out on the dance floor and is dancing and jumps off the ground with both feet. Wow. Everybody in the room stops and go, and the son is like, uh, what, what's going on here? And he goes, I don't know. I guess it was that weird guy from Philadelphia with the hat. And his son was like, wait, what weird guy from Philadelphia? What hat? What are you talking about? So the next day I got a phone call from the son. What did you do to my father? So he, once he got the idea, he said, so what do you need? And I said, we need to do research. So he gave us half a million dollars to do the study. Okay. And we then went, we partnered with Texas A&M, Baylor Research Institute, and Philadelphia did 40 subjects, Texas did 60 subjects, and we did the infrared light on people with early to mid-stage dementia. Okay. And they took the unit home and they did it every day, twice a day for, for two months. And then we did quantitative EEG and the whole neuropsych battery to show the endpoints. And what we published in 2021 was a paper showing that the mini mental status exam, mm -hmm. you know, the, yeah, that there had been a f almost five point increase in the mini mental status score in two months in the people who had the active treatment and not in the placebo. So just for the audience, can you ex explain the mini metal status exam? It's a screening It's a screening test for people to assess their cognitive level of functioning. It goes from okay. zero to 30, and it has yeah. different types of tests. And the increase that you observed, obviously, was significant a, in the context oh, a of- five, Yeah, a five-point increase, a, a five-point, yeah, that's a, that's a statistically very significant improvement. Yeah, in their cognitive performance. And some of the, well, cognitive and motor, because mm -hmm. some of the people in that group also had Parkinson's. Okay. And when we interviewed, and when we interviewed them afterwards, the Parkinson's subjects, their families, and they reported better movement, better uh, sense of themselves, better mood, better sleep, um, more facial expressiveness, all, mm -hmm. all of that had improved from using the device. So that led me to, be able to then look for a device that would allow me to combine the photo, the, the neurofeedback with the photobiomodulation. And I found a, a Chinese device that I could, I could get them to manipulate in a way that made it more the way I wanted it. And while I was in the process of doing that, I met these two guys from Germany and Ireland mm -hmm. and they were, mm -hmm. they were business people and they were looking to create a business. And I thought, Oh, well, I'm running a nonprofit research group. I'm not going to create a for-profit business inside my foundation. If you guys want to start a business, great. Here, I can give you the technology. You can then market the device. However, you need to agree to take 100% of your profit and put it back into research and development. Okay. And they agreed. Okay. And they agreed. And that's the, the rest of it is rolling out that idea. Wow, that's amazing. And can you tell us a little bit about the device? Because I, I love the way it's able, it kind of looks like it should sit in a hair salon. <laughs> so that's, I've had QEG. So I went to the yeah. Amy Clinics in the States because reflecting back on your story, I looked at 
how many accidents I'd had that involved, oh. you know, cognitive uh, bangs, shall we say. Yeah. And I yeah. think going back through the history of childhood and so on, I'd had about 20. And oh, I was experiencing cognitive decline. I was forgetting oh, wow. my words sure. and things like sure. that. Sure. Which what sure. really got me into brain health in the first place, actually, um, was my attention to not wanting to go into Alzheimer's early. And I could see that I was heading that way. Um, uh, I support I support you in not getting dementia early. <laughs> so, and obviously uh, for women, they're a little bit more at risk than men because yeah, we go through hormonal shifts. So so this device here, um, you're able, the, that's yeah. the... This is the Neradiant. This mm -hmm. is the Neradiant 1070. So it's using uh, the wavelength along the electromagnetic spectrum. It's using the 1050 to 1070 nanometer wavelength. Mm -hmm. So it's it's above the visible range. Yeah. And you can't see the LEDs when they're turned on. You can't see them. So we have a couple of little red lights inside that people know that it's working. Mm -hmm. But what the other thing that we wanted to be able to control was the turning on and off of the lights. Okay. Not only not only in terms of how quickly we could control the turning on and off, but where we could deliver the stimulation independently. Yeah. So it's targeted. So, so what we what we've got now is four quadrants, front, left, right, and back, where we can independently program how fast, how intense, and for how long the lights will be stimulating that part of the brain. Yeah. And, and I think that's really important that you do have it is. that because, it is. because obviously at the back of the head, you have your osipetal lobe, I probably pronounced that wrong, that is um, responsible for your uh, visual functioning. And then on it's the awesome. top, you've got your motor, uh, your parietal yep. lobe, which is your motor yep. control, and also down here in the cerebellum as well, of course. And then on the left and the right, you, you have your temporal lobes. Um, um, and, the, and and whatever the differences are between the left and right hemisphere. Yeah, exactly. And then at the front, you've got your prefrontal cortex. And right. what we know is most people who have uh, um, head trauma, um, I like to call it brain trauma, have the right. trauma from most often, not always, a knock to the front of your head, particularly if you're doing contact sports, um, or a knock to what's very sensitive to damage is your temporal lobes which is what can cause anger and rage and and so on uh, when you damage your temporal lobes which sit behind behind your eye um sockets That's on, right. on both sides of your head and then obviously your uh, visual part of your brain which is your occipital lobe and your parietal lobe and your your cerebellum that is involved in motor control um, oh, yeah. which is really important because when you have a bang, especially in a car accident, your brain moves forwards and back. So you can get a contra coup uh, effect where you not only bang your brain on the front of your head, on the front of your skull, but you bang it on the back. So you right. can have damage on both sides, which is why it's called contra coup. So you need to look at all aspects of the brain to understand right. where are the problems and right. how can we take a targeted approach? So I love that you've done that with that that device. And, what and the what quantitative, have you noticed looking at the different regions? Well, the, the quantitative EEG that we do with people 
who are looking to improve some particular function that they're, you know, struggling with in some way, we recommend very strongly that they get what's called a quantitative EEG. Yeah, and that's which when is what I had. Right. And so it's the measuring of 19 different locations mm -hmm. at the same time with your eyes open and your eyes closed. And it's a completely non-invasive test. It's basically like an EKG, except you're taking the sticky things and putting them on your head. Yeah, that's, it's fascinating that's for those that haven't had it done. It's a, <laughs> it's you a look very at brain waves and, how, and exactly. what brain waves are expressed in different parts of your oh. head, and that informs yep. what level of damage you've got on the effect, the surface of your brain. And so you can also then look at not only the damage but the disruption to the communication mm -hmm. between all the different networks and parts of the brain. Mm -hmm. So you can start to understand where certain functions that you might have, like short-term memory or long-term memory, or <clears throat> remembering, being able to put a face to a name. Yeah. All of those things, uh, remembering how to get home, remembering directions, yeah. right? All of those functions have different relationships in your brain. Well, we can now look at the norms that have been created by scanning uh, almost a thousand people at from six months to 88 years old. We can then compare an individual person's readings against the average of people in the database who were carefully screened not to have anything unusual in their history or currently, just ordinary people. And we can compare you against the average of them and see where are you above or below the mean. And then we can build a training program with the Neuradiant and with neurofeedback to help renormalize the connectivity. And what have you noticed? I want to start with the um, occipital lobe at the back of the brain and the cerebellum. What have you noticed with targeted treatment there? What shifts have you observed with photomodulation? One of the, yeah, one of the most one of the most noticeable things is people with motor motor issues. Okay. And, and Parkinson's and Parkinsonian type symptoms. Also, a lot of people with that front to back uh, concussion injury, mm -hmm. that they're they're able to start relaxing more. Uh, mm -hmm. Some of the, the trauma that was locked into their musculature and into their body starts to release and they're able to function in a more relaxed way and their mood changes. Their sleep okay. significantly sleep significantly improves. Mm -hmm. And and people do get uh, an improvement in their visual acuity, depth perception, and color sensitivity. Wow! So it, you know, even if it isn't people that have had a an accident, it, it's you know, it's got the potential to help people who have visual issues that are related to right. communication. Um, it's, absolutely. It's also um, the the gentleman from India who won the biathlon was a, an air gun and something else mm -hmm. they were doing in the Olympics. He did neurofeedback and, and definitely connected his winning the gold medal to doing the neurofeedback. Wow. Amazing. So his visual, his visual acuity significantly improved. And it was that with photomodulation with the 1070 nanometers. It's just by itself. Just by itself. Okay. And then what, if you didn't do neurofeedback, what do you notice purely from the photomodulation oh, changes? What I, was, what I was telling you, oh, I'm sorry. What I was telling you, um, other than the guy in the Olympics, that was purely photobiomodulation. Okay. Just okay. the guy, just to give you the, 
there, there really was, there really were people doing photobiomodulation uh, for um, injury recovery. Okay. And, and, and the rapidity of recovery after working out and exercising. And there yeah. was significant, like 20% reduction in recovery time of the muscles so that they could continue to exercise and work out. So it, it significantly enhanced their performance. So a 20% enhancement in their recovery. Right. And when um, when Professor Chazot did a trial with normal subjects in the UK using the exact same device that we used in Texas yeah. the, with photobiomodulation, they were able to see a 20% improvement in normal subjects' motor flexibility executive functioning and processing speed. Wow. So so normal people were getting better from doing the same treatment that people with cognitive issues and, and injury were now recovering from. So mm -hmm. when you can say that one of the things I'm happy about is because we I saw this right from the very beginning is that this is really a tool for prevention, maybe even more than for treatment. Mm -hmm. And but you you really can't use the word prevent until you can prove the word treat. Yeah. So now we're in a position having used the exact same technology, the exact same protocol and shown an improvement in normal subjects and in people with a problem. Now we can start to say photobiomodulation can be thought of as a preventative intervention for people who want to not decline. Yeah, to reduce their risk of cognitive decline. So we're not going sure. on this trajectory downwards, but we're kind of leveling it off and it becomes a little bit slower. And, and that's what we saw initially with the, with the neurofeedback by itself with people with dementia was that we could alter the slope of decline from that to that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which but is so not... important because like, I think, isn't it by 2050, um, there's going to be a, a threefold increase in the number of people that have dementia, um, which is yeah. phenomenal. It's like, um, is it half of the populate, the older population? I can't remember the statistics, but it's, it's a huge burden basically on the on the health service system certainly and, here in the uk especially in the, globally um oh, and yeah. they don't have the capacity to deal with that at this time well for sure and uh not to add not to add to the problem but uh covid the statistics about neurological injury as a result of covid is somewhere around 37 percent of everyone who's gotten covid regardless of severity mm -hmm. is likely to develop some degree of neurological injury. Mm -hmm. So at the moment, that's about 200 million people worldwide. That, so we, if you know add, <clears throat> that we know of, because not everybody will have tested. Oh, oh, oh uh, yeah, yeah, I'm just saying, given the presented statistics that we have, yeah, yeah. it's 37% is 200 million people. If yeah. we add everybody with dementia, Parkinson's, and TBI, traumatic brain injury, we're now at 350 million people. Wow, that's a lot of people. It's a big, it's a big number. It's a very big number. So just in terms of the research, a paper was published just a couple of months ago by uh, Professor Arani and Bowen. Mm -hmm. uh, but, uh, Professor Bowen is from Shepherd University, and Arani is from the University of Buffalo. And they published a study 
where they used the Neradian in its most basic form, which mm -hmm. means no pulse, no pulsing at all, just continuous wave stimulation. And they did it in conjunction uh, along with another group doing the Thor laser bed, the Thor mm -hmm. uh, bed where you lay down in it and it has lights all over. So they had seven people in the bed and seven people using the Neradiant, all of whom had been previously diagnosed with long COVID brain fog. Okay. Of, of at least five months duration. Yeah. They did, they equalized the, the energy delivery by having both, by people have being in the bed three times a week for 14 minutes. And they gave people the helmet, the Neradiant for three times a week for 14 minutes. Mm -hmm. And they did this for one month. And they measured them at the beginning, the middle, and the end with quantitative EEG and other mm -hmm. neuropsychological and psychophysiological measures. Um, but the point is that at the end of the month, all 14 people were completely fine. Wow. All of their brain fog symptoms had completely remitted. And some people reported feeling even better than before they got COVID. Wow. And this was so, just with continuous wave rather than the pulse. 14 minutes. Put the, put the helmet on your head, push a button, run it for 14 minutes, three times a week, and you can expect a really good res response if you have long COVID. Over a period of one month. One month. Yeah. which so, is I think this is really important because sometimes, you know, some treatments um, uh, that, we, that we use for cognitive mm -hmm. um, performance issues, um, such as um, hydrobaric oxygen therapy, can take oh, a really yeah. long time for people to go through the treatment. You know, you might be going in 30, 40, 50 um, treatments Dive. with hydrobaric oxygen therapy. And it's not no. um, it's not that enjoyable for some people because if you if you're if you don't like confined spaces, you're not going to going to enjoy it. But the fact right. of this matter is it's it, it isn't you're not in a confined space. You're just putting a helmet on your head, which hopefully um, is right. OK for most people. Um, you're in the confined space of your living room. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you can and it's targeted as well, which, uh, well, which is really important it's very much targeted to the brain. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. just, uh, parenthetically about hyperbaric oxygen, I'm, I'm working with Dr. Merrill Holly who's president of the Hyperbaric Oxygen Foundation mm -hmm. in, in Texas. And mm -hmm. he's working on uh, creating the connection mm -hmm. so that we mm -hmm. can uh, get FDA approval to put the helmet in the chamber. Okay, yeah. So then you're using two modalities in conjunction, which I was just about to say, <laughs> um, with one another to enhance yeah. the outcome for the patient because we think it'll be it'll definitely enhance people with certain kinds of uh conditions increasing the available oxygen that way plus increasing cortical perfusion using mm -hmm. the neuradian i think is a is a really useful could be a very useful combination well, well i think we'll you know it could be really great for people with cte where often the you know you have that's chronic traumatic encephalopathy which is the the head trauma that um where you get well everybody talks about it differently but basically imagine that your brain's been bruised and the yeah. and the networks have been damaged um where you can actually help um help repair some of those let's yeah. hope so 
yeah let's hope so and what's the what does the um future hold for this and both for people we talk really very much around people at, at the latter end of uh, of the spectrum of life um but we also have um people at the you know at the beginning of uh, life you know the younger generation as it were i don't know if that's the right word we're but. certainly right and one of the reasons i was really interested in starting a company with people who were under 30 was for that reason okay. is that they're they're thinking about how can we bring this technology to people who don't need it right now but want to enhance their brain health and and brain functioning uh, now and and forever and, yeah. and how can we help how can we support people in being able to keep their brain healthy for their entire life and keep yeah. the keep the level as high as possible while they have their while they have their body healthy yeah. and really again putting the two pieces back together again yeah and i love the word you put need because actually you know what we experience cognitive decline 30 years before we present symptoms sometimes even longer so our perception yeah. of need it is often too <laughs> is often too yeah. late and actually we do need it when we're yeah 30, dr bredesen made that point very strong 60. Yeah, Dr. Bredesen makes that point very strongly that when people think they're having mild symptoms, they're actually 10 or 15 years into the process. Exactly. Exactly. So I think, you know, we need to reframe um, oh, yeah. the Time. need is now, not when or yesterday. Or yesterday. Or yesterday. <laughs> um, yeah. to, to minimize to minimize our risk. And particularly um, going back to, you know, when you talked about your accident is the fact that we have a lot of young people who are still doing contact sports um, who don't yeah. understand the risk. Yeah. And I talk about this a lot on my show. We've had a lot of people who've talked about um, traumatic brain injury. Dr. Mark Gordon have just uh, just had um, uh, Dave Bradley on uh, the show to talk about his uh, head-banging uh, experience, as it were, with Manchester United Football Club. So I think we we really need to get this out to the people that are accelerating um, right. their cognitive and, the, and certainly the, the in the U.S. the the girls the young girls that we've seen whose grades start to fall and I then ask and what sports have you been involved in just yeah. before your grades started going down Oh we've been playing soccer a lot right and are you heading the ball Oh of course Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and do you know for the clue for me in the name of football is the name football <laughs> because you should be using your foot <laughs> to kick the ball, <laughs> not your head. Um, so when I said, do you think there might be an issue with having a hard object shot at your head at 25 miles an hour and then you stop it with your head? Yeah, 100 times a day, seven yeah. days and a week. <laughs> and women's neck muscles are significantly weaker than men's. Yeah. So anyway, you're yes, I understand. It's it's a very real problem that I think people certainly in the states are now starting to take more seriously. Yeah. Thank God. <laughs> well, I think you know I talked about this earlier. Is that wouldn't it be amazing if we could have these systems in salons like we have the hair salon? devices 
um, where you go in. I know it sounds a bit far out, but where you no, where you go no. in and you just sit there and uh, and top up your cognitive function. <laughs> oh no, absolutely. And and we're um, I'm I'm flying out to Minneapolis this weekend to talk to some orthopedic surgeons who have come to the realization that they need to be doing something to promote health rather than trying to fix people after they've gotten hurt. So they want to create centers. They're interested in creating centers to do just that. Yeah, which I think is, you know, this is the future. Is, oh, yeah. Is where we've got centers of excellence and centers of support, if you will, that allow people to, um, on their own, without needing to have all of the uh, medical um infrastructure behind it of people right. and so on literally go in like you would do a hair salon uh, and top up yourself <laughs> and quiet mind saw the number 350 million and we saw all the numbers that were that were facing in terms of the challenge of dealing with people growing into you know aging and dealing with cognitive decline and we realized that Everything that we needed to be making or producing or discovering or, or promoting yeah. needed to be done at home. Not that you have to go to some doctor's office in order to do it. And it's like, no, that's not going to work. It, the, no. the numbers don't, it doesn't work. You've got and to be able to. And the numbers don't work in the medical profession either because we don't have not the capacity in the medical profession to serve the people that are going to have the problems. So you have to do it differently. Because by the right. way, you're not you can't do it now so you're not going to be able to do it when you've got a threefold increase so something's got to shift <laughs> so I'm, i i know we're we're preaching to the choir we are um, but it's really important that people understand that they're that you know having cognitive decline is not a, a a fatal you know it's not a fatal sentence you can do something about it and you, you can really reverse can it. do something about it yeah you, you really can, can do something it. Right. Yeah. And so you can it's reverse really it in many ways. That yeah. That because people are more scared of the word dementia now than they are of cancer. That's and that's really just terrible. It's terrible. Oh, yeah. It's there's been plenty of studies showing that, you know, the the most scary thing, if you ask people, what's the worst thing that could happen to you? It's getting Alzheimer's, yeah. not getting cancer. Okay. 20 years ago, 20 years ago, absolutely it was cancer but now it's alzheimer's wow that's so amazing. we really we need to reverse we need to reverse the mentality that says oh well there's nothing you can do i absolutely agree with you and you know we have a lot of this um in the medical space where you get diagnosed with a condition and it's kind of seen as your life sentence that that's what you're going to have right. for the rest of your life and right. it is not absolutely not the case you can reverse an awful lot of conditions and the power of your mind is a wonderful thing. You need right, to use right. it for you rather than against you. Yeah. But it does take, it does take having the information at hand. Absolutely. It, it does take having some coaching, some, some supervision, some resources, which is one of the reasons why when we were developing Neuronic, <clears throat> I insisted that we provide at least three months of consultation to anyone who's buying the more advanced four quadrant model. Mm -hmm. And I really strongly encourage everybody who's, you know, interested in this sort of approach, get the consultation from a clinician who really knows what they're doing and has had a lot of experience with both photobiomodulation and neurofeedback and other disciplines that can help improve brain health. And that's what Neuronic is offering now. And I'm very happy that we're able to 
provide that for the people who need it, for the exactly. people who just want to, yeah, the people who just want to, you know, improve their brain health or, you know, make sure they don't get COVID or, you know, help with their COVID brain fog, If you know, then fine, try it that way. But mm -hmm. you don't need the consultation for that. But for anything with more serious, you know, diagnostic criteria, you know, then it's probably, you know, you want to really look at how to use this tool as a way to simply enhance blood flow, enhance the health of your brain. And from a wellness perspective, you know, really be able to give yourself something that may be really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And Dr. Berman, what one piece of advice or what advice would you give to anyone who's really concerned about their cognitive health, their cognitive performance? What would your advice be to those people that are listening? Uh, take very seriously the idea that your mind and your body are deeply, deeply connected and that you really can do things to enhance your brain health which can start with something as simple as making sure that your breathing pattern, just your respiration pattern, is such that it's supporting your ability to calm your nervous system and not overstimulate it, right? Mm -hmm. So one example of that would be practicing slowing down the number of times you breathe in a minute. Yeah. And also inhaling only through your nose. Those so two important. things. Those two things can make a huge amount of difference in somebody's well-being and cognitive health. Yeah, great advice for that. I absolutely love this conversation. I feel that we could talk for hours. Sure. <laughs> um, how can people get hold of you and learn more about what you do and you learn more about neuronic quiet minds and so on? What's the best way? Well, people who want to ask me questions can certainly write to me at marvin.berman at neuronic dot online so it's just m-a-r-v-i-n dot b-e-r-m-a-n at neuronic dot online uh the quiet mind foundation is quietmindfdn.org and you can look at what we're doing in terms of the research uh any researchers who are looking for opportunities to do uh creative research in this field we definitely would want to talk to them wow, and support amazing. and support their work and support their work yeah we, well, we'll put all of those links in the show notes. Do make sure you reach out to Dr. Berman uh, and find out more about what he does and the amazing work he's doing in helping people quiet their minds and achieve cognitive performance in an optimal way. Dr. Berman, it's been uh, amazing to talk to you. Thank you so much for your time. And I'm really excited about what the future holds in the context of uh, cognitive performance and supporting that for people particularly those with conditions such as alzheimer's oh, disease thanks for the opportunity to share uh, we need to get the word out and you're doing the very important work of getting people to understand that there really are options that can oh, make a difference you're most welcome and i'm delighted that you're you're one of these people that's really pioneering the way I really hope you enjoyed that conversation. Thank you so much for listening. Please be sure to like and share this episode and leave a review on my website or on Apple Podcasts. If you're looking for opportunities to optimise your brain health or unchain your pain from a past trauma, make sure you visit my website www.ruthmaryallen.com and use the code PODCAST10 at checkout to get 10% off all programs. And always remember, you are not stuck with the brain you have. You have the power to make it better. 
you have the power to unchain your pain and optimize your brain power and performance so that you can win back energy and time doing what you love.